0: Welcome to our podcast, The Words That Make Us.
1: Consider this time with us as your excuse to take a break from everything.
0: Every episode, we choose a word that makes us think, wonder, or dream. We read a range of texts that explore different aspects of this word.
1: And we let our thoughts wander. We hope that yours will too. So grab your favourite tea. Or a beer. And join me, Ramashar,
0: And me, Tony Bailey. Let's go!
1: <laughs> so, today's episode is on silence.
0: Okay, Rama. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church.
1: Um, excuse me? I don't think we should be... Oh,
0: wait a minute. <coughs> There's more. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet.
1: Oh, dear. Um, So what? this is going to be
0: a very short podcast, (laughs) if that's the case.
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness. So what are we talking about here? What is this?
0: Well, you, you should tell me. I just came along with some readings. You told me we were doing a podcast on the subject of silence. So I thought, where better first to go... Then um, yeah, the Bible. I'm sure there must be something good in the Bible about silence.
1: Okay. Well, at least you had a, a very strong start. Let's let's just give you that um, something to talk about. So, what do you think happened since then? How do you think we progressed? And now I am allowed to be on a podcast and actually challenge you.
0: Well, I didn't say that. Um, that uh, well, I didn't tell you whether I agreed or disagreed with uh. what I said. Maybe I agree with it. Maybe this should just be a program where you sit and nod while I say everything. Anyway, what is the point of this podcast? I, I don't understand. So I have to pr- produce some, uh, some readings. You're going to produce some readings. Why, why is that? What's the purpose?
1: So over the summer, I was thinking that I really enjoy reading aloud. And I know you do the same. And then I thought that since we enjoy talking about life and we have spent a long time talking about different topics maybe this is something we can do and share with other people it might be interesting to them as well So
0: Okay, so you asked me to find some readings on the uh, subject of silence, which I have done and you've done the same, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. So what what are we going to do? We're going to read them and and then give each other feedback
1: Um, So every week or other week we pick a topic, we find interesting readings about it and then these topics might be conflicting, might be very different, and they are usually by poets, authors, thinkers, or the Bible.
0: I think they're quite likely to be conflicting. Okay. Given that we do come from rather conflicting backgrounds, because um, uh, I'm a bloke from Manchester, and I'm quite old, and uh, I call a spade a spade. And um, yeah, and I think you've probably got quite different life experience to me. So this could be quite interesting. To see um, what you think of some of the stuff I come up with.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, indeed, because I, like you said, come from a very different background. Um, Yes, I was born in England, but I am Syrian, and I am a different gender to you. And I am very heavily influenced by the Quran, a little bit, but also by um, Arab poets and Arab thinkers and... And Sufism, I'm, I'm, I'm big into Sufism at the moment, so...
0: Is that a kind of cake?
1: <laughs> a Is drink.
0: That, oh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, this could be very interesting, because again, my background, uh, a mathematician and a business person, so I see things in possibly slightly different light.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah. as an English um, teacher, and somebody who really enjoys writing, see things from a kind of mystical, whimsical um,
0: way. Whereas I see things as a black and cynical, northern English way. Okay, well, so, good. I think we've got a good, firm base. So what do you think of my readings then? All seriousness. I went to the Bible, which um, is right up there in your sort of, you know, alongside Shakespeare Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the classical poets and maybe the Quran, I guess, too. If you were going to go anywhere to find somewhere on silence, the Bible is pretty stacked. And I was a bit shocked that these were the quotes that were near the top of the list for silence. Not about the, you know, uh, be silent for the beauty of the world around you and God's creation, but women shut up was basically the message from New and Old Testament alike. Mm -hmm. So what do you think?
1: Um, I would like to say that I was shocked, but um, unfortunately I wasn't. I think all kinds of um, religious books back then um, preached something like this to, to women, unfortunately. Um, you caught me off guard. I didn't have anything from the Quran, but I promise next time to bring something from the Quran about silence. Now that I think about these quotes from the from the Bible that you have brought, it is first of all it's very refreshing to see how far we have come since then. Um, now women are allowed to speak; they can be politicians. They can. I'm a teacher, and in your quote, you said women are not allowed to teach. So,
0: yeah, well, ew,
1: I'm glad I, I made that cut. I'm glad I was born in this day and age. Um, but the truth is, it's not like this everywhere in the world right now. We are very lucky to be living in Germany where a woman is allowed to state her opinion and allowed to teach. But if you think about other countries like if you think of Afghanistan or Iran where women are being tortured and imprisoned for stating their opinion or going on the streets and and protesting, it's a different story, isn't it?
0: And I I think we live in, uh, because we're in Europe, it's largely uh, an atheist or agnostic um, set of people, but there are still parts of the world where people are living according to the words of the scriptures. Yes, and I, I you think about the the United States. Sorry to offend any American people who might possibly be listening to this, but you know there is that kind of part of the American society who, the Bible Belt, who will quote words from the Bible pretty randomly, depending on what they want to what message they want to give. And it troubles me that this is stuff that they could have on a T-shirt. Yes.
1: Um,
0: Surely they can't possibly still accept this as being relevant now.
1: And to be honest with you, what troubles me even more is that sometimes we pick and choose, don't we? So we look at the holy books and we choose what we like and what is in accordance with what's happening in the world. And we kind of gloss over what we don't really like, which in a way it's good. So, for example, I pick and choose what I want to believe in when it comes to the Quran, and I have decided to make myself a whole different religion where I choose the humane part of it. But at the same time, I think there are some things that should be officially addressed by religious leaders and say, you know what, this was fit for that time, maybe it is not fit for today.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's so many aspects of society that have changed why hasn't the the holy book changed with it I mean so many rules so many accepted parts of society and if the um, if the church is accepting women priests at last uh, women bishops then how can this still be in the bible it doesn't seem right but maybe it's seen as sacrosanct and you can't change the bible because it's the holy book but you know society changes culture changes surely we should be able to do that have a modified version yes i don't know whose job that is (laughs) the the bible police the
1: bible police well in a way i think christianity has done a better job um at doing this than islam to be really honest with you because in islam we take pride in the quran having one Version only all over the world and we consider that a miracle of sorts that no word has been changed and nothing has been omitted it has been exactly the same as we believe um muhammad um said it um but but other
0: aspects of it that have not aged well
1: exactly (laughs) there are aspects of it that really have not aged well and that should be taken out or at least addressed um but some people insist on taking it as a unit. It is what it is, you take it as it is, and then they try to kind of go around it and find another meaning for what is being said. Like for example, a woman who is um disciplining his wife is allowed to beat her, it says in the Quran, but then they say, No, 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 it wasn't meant to beat her it's with his metaphor. hands. It's, it's a, a metaphor. metaphor. Yes. Exactly. It is a metaphor. Yes. And so it's yeah, I might be yeah. um, sued for this, but um, I do think that some modifications and at least addressing these issues is needed.
0: Yes. Well, maybe we should stop there on that one because I just wanted to, um, yeah, stir the water quickly with something. <laughs> a... Yes, just to get us talking about it because, yeah, clearly these are two pieces of uh, writing that, for me, do not encapsulate what the word silence is about.
1: Exactly. These
0: give bad press to the word silence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Silence in the, the context here is something, it's an instruction.
1: Exactly. And
0: it, there's a negative connotation to it that is if you're not silent, then it's bad.
1: Exactly, that you might so, be punished for, for not being yeah. silent. Whereas the silence that we were talking about is the silent the silence that you choose something yeah, where you take a vow of silence or that you resort to silence to make sure well, that
0: you see the beauty of the world through the silence around you or something um interesting he's not actually linked to this but i was thinking about this idea about the word silence mm-hmm. versus the word quiet mm-hmm. i don't know if you had the same thought but silence is quiet you know quiet's a very soft word mm-hmm. i enjoy the quiet mm-hmm. around me and the quiet and the calm and if you're in a classroom and you ask people to just have a bit of quiet, that's fine. It's very calm. Silence is very, is much sharper and, um, yeah, has a much stricter connotation to mm. it. Silence in court.
1: Yeah. There
0: must be silence at all times. Otherwise, I feel like sometimes the word silence is followed by punishment if you don't. There's an element of that. So... I get what you're saying about the the calm and the tranquility, the the positive aspects, Mm -hmm. but the other side is even more so, like, you must be silent at all costs, otherwise you'll die. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, it's like
0: real black and white. Before we get down the road of, uh, you know, be silent, silent in court, we used to sing a rhyme in in the playground. Silence in the courtyard, silence in the street. The biggest fool in all the class is just about to speak. and it's like is part of that sort of ring. Well, let, let's see if we can bring a bit of light to the shade that we've done so far. Have you got something to, to bring that's um, going to make me feel a little bit more <laughs> a, bit, a bit warmer and uh, about the concept?
1: So when I was looking, I found this poem by Jalal Dina Rumi, um, who's a Sufist um, thinker and, and poet. And I found it really, really nice. Um, So it goes like this. Last night, I became mad. Love saw me and said, I'm here. Don't shout. Don't wail. Just be silent. Don't talk about the mundane. Talk of nothing but beauty. I am the servant of this magnificence. Just be silent. I said, oh, love, what I fear is something else. Love said, there's nothing else. Just be silent. I will whisper great secrets in your ear. Just nod yes and be silent. I said, love, is this face angel or human? Love said, neither angel nor human, it is other. Just be silent. I said, I will lose my mind if you don't tell me. Love said, then lose your mind and stay that way. Just be silent. You, who sits in this house, filled with images and illusions, get up, walk out the door, go, and be silent.
0: Wow. It's very lovely. What, what, um, what is, for the uneducated like me, what is uh, Sufism? Explain.
1: So Sufism is an interesting concept, because me growing up in Syria, Sufism had a really bad rap. Um, Sufism is a strand of Islam. It is mostly practiced in parts of Syria, um, mostly in Turkey and India. So I'm sure you have seen those. Um, what are what are they called now? I can't remember. The dancers, the dervish, yeah, the yeah, dervish yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. they they twirl around in their big robes. Yeah. So they kind of when they do when they do that they enter into a state of mm, trance. They are in trance, and so they kind of this is a state of being united with the source or with with heaven or with God or whatever it is. Um, What I really like like about Sufism is that it's more of a soul practice rather than this harsh idea that we have of Islam. And I'm not saying that Islam is harsh. Like most most Muslims that I know are very moderate in their way of thinking, but they're very harsh on themselves. They are very much into, oh, I will go to hell if I do this, and is it okay? Sometimes they even punish themselves for laughing too loud. They're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. You know, that's that's not very modest and maybe so Sufism is not like that. It is very much into meditation and thinking and being united with God and um, it's. I, I don't know that much about it yet, but I have been reading more and more about it. I am very interested in something that is more spiritual than dogmatic, let's just say.
0: I think it's interesting that the idea that the absence of something creates something else. hmm because again, we talked about silent being silent as an order being the connotation, you've got to be quiet. But actually here it's almost like in order to truly experience what your real inner self is, or the real experience of love is, mm-hmm. or you know, actually you need to remove everything. You need to be quiet, you need to be silent, and then you are down to the very essence of what it is without without being worried about things or having to talk about it or having to explain or mm. you know um, I so. find that
1: very interesting because I am a person who finds it very difficult to be in complete silence
0: I've noticed that <laughs> when I was trying to work yeah
1: <laughs> that's not what I meant, but uh, thank you very yeah, much sorry um, I can be silent, but what I would need is some other kind of noise around me, and I don't think I have ever gone for a walk without having music or a podcast or an audiobook. That that's has really never interesting. happened.
0: Are you scared of something then? Are you scared
1: of silence? Not at all. Actually, I can go for a walk with people that I like and, you know, enjoy their presence and not listen to anything. But, but
0: could you go on that walk on your own? No. Now, that's really interesting because I was going to, uh, one of my uh, observations for, for for this, this piece actually was the idea of shared silence mm. so it kind of comes up there because mm. I'm absolutely with you that I can't think of anything nicer than going for a walk with somebody that you really like mm-hmm. you care about maybe the person you love or maybe just sitting in a nice place a nice view and just sharing the silence I've actually been in that situation where I've just not wanted the other person to say anything. You don't want to say, be quiet, because it sounds rude, but actually it's the silence that is the beauty of the the situation. Yeah. It's interesting. Because, yeah, if I'm on my own, I feel uncomfortable unless there's some noise.
1: Yeah. And I don't know, like, if I'm at home, my best friend is either Netflix or Alexa or an audiobook, you know? I'm I'm always asking Alexa to play something for me, because... I mean, I can sit down for hours and play solitaire and really enjoy that and be lost in my thoughts, but I do need some music. And also, I use it to put me in a certain state, state of mind, you yeah, know, a and, sad and music I think if you're
0: it. doing the Sudoku word puzzle thing as a means of being quiet, you're not really being quiet because no. your brain's being quite active and actually quite noisy in its exactly, own way. Exactly, exactly. Um, do you find it easy to, to do what this poem says i mean if you had to sit down and just get yourself in a meditative state so you could can can you do that
1: i mean the poem here says don't think of the mundane and that's very interesting because i think the mundane controls everything we think and see and and do it's like we i can try to meditate but then i'll start thinking about oh, I need to t- send a message to this person and ask how they are because I know she was going to give birth last week. Or, oh, yeah. I need to go and see if I actually um, turned off my um, hair straightener. You know, like all of these things come to mind as soon as I want to sit down and just enjoy the silence.
0: And yeah, it's I, I'm the, exactly the same. Uh, I, I'm so easily distracted yeah. by any noise coming from inside the flat or outside the flat, and then yeah. what do I need to do when I go shopping... Um, so those people who say, oh, you know, I meditated last night. like <laughs> you, you clearly have got nothing in your life to worry about. <laughs> Please share some of mine. I think meditation is a little, just a wonderful thing, but it's a bit yeah. like if you've never been hypnotized before. I just long to know what it really feels like because I, I, I've been close. Yeah. But the very fact that I'm telling myself, oh, you're close, means I'm not close exactly. because I'm telling myself I'm close. So...
1: So you know? here's something I haven't told you yet, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Um So first, let's start with, when I want to meditate, my way of meditating is by doing guided meditations. So that really helps me because it puts an image in my head and then I'm focusing on that. And it's like, and now you're walking here, and now you're doing this, and now think of this tree. And that helps me to meditate then. But I did go and take um, ayahuasca, yeah. which is a psychedelic.
0: Mind-tripping thing. It's,
1: It was amazing. It was really something fantastic and I really enjoyed the trip I went on Um, and it helped me see things from a different perspective. It really did. It's something that I was worried about that I might go down a dark lane, but in the end I ended up going on a very colourful trip, which was really, really interesting. And so that was... but. It took me quite a few shots to get to that stage. And actually, the guy who was facilitating it, because you should never do something like this on your own, um, the man who was facilitating it said to me, after when, when I asked him for the third shot, he was like, I can give you the third shot, but why can't you just quiet in your mind?
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, I, I just can't. I just cannot do it. I can't turn yeah. off the chatter. And so it's, it's very interesting, isn't it's,
0: it? It's, uh, yeah. And you, you look at, culturally, all of these different mechanisms that have been created to try and help you. I I quite like you know about drone drone music Mm -mm. so there's uh, a lot of these kind of tantric chants Mm -hmm. Uh they're just kind of drone because Mm -hmm. then you can switch into that yeah Um, and that's where your mind then goes and that helps you to to get rid of stuff and maybe that's what you're doing when you put something on uh, to listen to it's just acting as a a shield for all of the other noise, so they only have one noise.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. To replace all—that's true. All the chatter. So, do you think that you and I are not capable of being silent, and that's why we're talking about
0: could be other things? Could be. I think it's something I really—I um, I can be silent, as mm-hmm. in I can mm-hmm. sit down and it's not okay, say anything. Yeah. You know, if I was in,
1: the mind in is trouble, you must
0: be silent. But I—I cannot be silent in my head for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried I really have tried and um, you know people talked about meditation and, and such. And you were
1: sort. jealous and you wanted to try it but it just didn't work I have to,
0: I, uh, I've sat there <laughs> taken the pose <laughs> I have uh, done all the breathing and I've you know but I've never really been able to get myself into that state of of absolute After silence, silence. And, and still and calm
1: About, um, a different kind of silence, the silence that is in the sense of neutrality and not stating your opinion. So maybe you could read that to us. Okay. Didn't you read a book, a very interesting book last week?
0: Ah, oh, yeah. I have to say, if you have not read the book um, by Elie Wiesel called Night, then. I absolutely commend everybody mm-hmm. to spend the time reading this book because it's only short and um, it's uh, yeah probably a two-hour read. Mm-hmm. Um, Elie Wiesel, for I'm sure most people know who he is, Holocaust survivor, wrote this uh, amazing book about his experiences. Um, but really, the book, this book, *The Silence*, talks about the experience from. Um, the, the, the point at which he, his family and himself were uh, taken off into the uh, the ghettos, you know, of Czech uh, city, uh, all the way to being taken then to Auschwitz, Belsen and associated work, work camps, and how he, as a teenage child, 15... Uh, show it has his mother and uh, sisters taken away from oh, him dear. and then he's uh, works alongside his father he manages to, to be with his father but he sees the decline in his father's state and just sees so many horrific things that is
1: horrific, yeah
0: um, but rather than being drawn to shout about it and tell the world you know, for him the book that he wrote was about silence mm. uh, I, I, it's very difficult to find something from the book to say I've got just got a a short paragraph Mm -hmm. and then I also found something that he said about silence um when he gave a speech about the book he got a prize from by the American Academy of Achievement where he actually tackled the thing about silence so maybe I could read you both of them Mm -hmm. see what you think yes
1: please
0: so he said we must take sides neutrality helps the oppressor never the victim Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. When human lives are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, national borders and sensitivities become irrelevant. Wherever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion or political views, that place must, at that moment, become the centre of the universe. And then he That's just a short paragraph from inside the book. Uh, And then in his speech, he said, you can be a silent witness, which means silence itself can become a way of communication. There is so much in silence. There is an archaeology of silence. There is a geography of silence. There is a theology of silence. There is a history of silence. Silence is universal and you can work within it within its own parameters and its own context and make that silence into a testimony. Job was silent after he lost his children and everything, his fortune and his health. Job, for seven days and seven nights, he was silent. And his three friends who came to visit him were also silent. That must have been a powerful silence, a brilliant silence.
1: Wow, this is really interesting because it's the same person... Talking about two very distinct um, types of silence.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, he goes on to describe silence as being the silence of um, defiance, mm-hmm. the the silence of um, ignoring something, mm-hmm. the silence of being in denial. I don't want to talk about it. I'm in denial about something. Mm-hmm. Um the silence because the words that you might say would just not do justice to mm-hmm. what it is you're describing. Mm-hmm. So the really the um the fact that words are limiting in what they can they can say. So silence really happens everywhere in that book. And I, I thought the just the, the, the last bit to say about it was that um, his was one of those books that came out in the sort of late sixties, early seventies. There was a lot of um, interest in the Holocaust then because there had been silence.
1: Yeah,
0: people didn't want to talk about it after the war. We live here in Germany, it, you know. Don't mention it. It's, no. a, it's a topic that that I think actually you can talk about it more now, but you certainly couldn't talk about it a great deal in the post-war years. And he was approached uh, about making his book into a film. Mm-hmm and he he would not uh, sell the rights for his book to be made into a film i wonder why because well he said because my book is about the silence okay my book is about the what i didn't put in my book is about the gaps between the words mm. require silence mm. and you wouldn't be able to do that in, in a, a movie. film
1: exactly because and, then and there'll be a lot of talking in it a lot of like it doesn't leave anything to the imagination and you need somebody to figure this out for themselves and not put it into visuals.
0: Yeah. If you read the book, I think you'll be hit by that. Okay. Because you'll read, like, literally... All these paragraphs are short. Mm -hmm. Maybe a four or five line paragraph. And you have to stop after that four or five lines to take a deep breath and just hold in silence what has just been said to you. Every one of those paragraphs, short paragraphs for you and me, would be a life-changing event. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: And yet this book is full of them. Every paragraph is a life-changing event. And so, yeah, I I absolutely understand why. For him, it's much more powerful in in the written written word. Okay. But do do you think that what he's saying is true, though, that you should speak up in all?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is very hard, though. It is very hard and you can't expect that of everyone. Um, I myself... It is, this is interesting because it happened when the Syrian revolution started. Um, I was here in Germany, I had moved before the, the revolution started, before the civil war, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so for me it was very easy and very natural to be vocal about it. So I was writing about this everywhere on Facebook, for example. Um, And I remember my father, who was actually against the regime, he was completely and utterly against the regime, and we all knew that since we were little, he was very angry with me because he said, with you speaking up, you're endangering all of our lives back here. And for me, I was in a dilemma where I felt like my voice was needed because there were people who were on on the verge of... One of these worlds, they were either with, him, with uh, Al-Assad or against him. Yeah. Uh, they weren't yet, and they needed someone to speak about this. And I was in a situation where I felt I need to speak my truth. I felt very strongly about this. Um, and I do remember actually that, so the revolution started in March, and I was writing about this. My birthday was in April, and my dad called me, and my mom refused to talk to me. <laughs> she because, was, she because was very angry with me. She was very angry with me because... I mean, did they
0: agree with what you were writing but just were not happy with the fact that you were writing it?
1: My dad agreed, definitely agreed with what I said, but he just found it selfish of me to write about it um, because they were still back there and it could be dangerous for them. My mum was actually one of the people that thought... This is good enough, what we have right now. We have okay money. You know, life is not so bad. We do have, I don't know, great restaurants and great beaches. Life is not so bad. Why do we need to talk about it? And why do we need to rock the boat, basically? And to me, it was about not just about us. us. It's also about the rest of the country. They did not have a good life. There were many people still who were living under the line of poverty. And and, um, we didn't have any basic rights we didn't have. I remember when I was in grade 10. Was it grade 10? In grade 10, they took us to a mountain, to a shooting range, and they taught us how to shoot a, a, a rifle because they were teaching us to be soldiers, basically. So now when I teach 1984 to my students, a lot of it I can completely understand I was in exactly the same situation when I was growing up. When my father used to say, don't say things, the walls have ears and, you know, just be very careful. And he was allowed to say some things, but we were never allowed to repeat them in school because this was very dangerous for the whole family. Um, and so it was, it was like, this is not OK. And I was quite jealous of what happened, had happened in Egypt. Um, and I wanted the same for my country as well. And then I realized I'm still not sure if what I did was the right thing by speaking up about it, because look what happened. The country is now in shambles. Assad is still there. Um, now I wonder, speaking up about it, was that a good idea or should I have, should I have been silent?
0: It's quite ironic, isn't it, that <clears throat> we have so many more channels now that we can
1: Voice. express our, mm-hmm.
0: our views. So, um, you know, if you think 100 years ago, uh, you probably had little choice but to be silent because mm-hmm. who could you be... Non-silent too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, maybe you could write to your newspaper. You know, angry Syrian lady uh, <laughs> speaks. But there wasn't really a channel for that. Maybe you you, you know write a letter to your, your, your father <laughs> expressing your yeah. discontent. But now we have so many channels where we can reach a very wide audience very quickly with our views. And yet I'm probably more scared than ever to express them. Because of that, because of what's happening with the response that you get to Mm -hmm. any view that you give.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what they call cancel culture at the moment, isn't it? Of course, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I I absolutely abhor the whole thing because, yeah, being a teacher like you, you know, for me, everything's about balance, not polarity. And uh, I welcome the fact that people can express their opinions and I have the right to read them and say well I don't agree with that Mm -hmm. or have you thought about this as an alternative Mm -hmm. Um, but it appears to me now you run the risk of being cancelled by expressing something and even the context might not fit but it doesn't really matter you know I have had things happen to me in the past where um, it's been brought up and I've been in danger because of something I might have said 10 years ago in a completely different context um and uh you know if you read there's a guy called John Ronson mm-hmm. much I really love the work of John Ronson there's a great book so you've been publicly shamed mm-hmm. all around this this theme of uh cancel culture it's really quite frightening um if you're not black you're white yeah. there's no shades of gray here and, and- um
1: And you can't change your mind. That's the other thing. No,
0: absolutely. You've said something
1: 10 years ago and now it's on the internet. And whatever is on the internet is permanent. Yeah. And if you go and change your views or you have evolved with time, you are not allowed to do that.
0: And you have to feel guilty or shameful or apologize for your past when your past is just part of a journey that you're developing. And yeah, I know that when I was a kid, I came from a particular family background, schooling background, You know, um, that had a big impact on my attitudes towards, um, other parts of the world, gender, um, what my, my motives for, for doing what I was doing were, they're completely different than, um, than those that I have now. But that's what having, you know, 30, 40, 50 years worth of life experience does Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. I think it's terrible that a kid now could say something age 16.
1: Yeah. And it's it's like the equivalent of getting
0: a face tattoo. Exactly. Are you really sure...
1: They're going to regret it.
0: it? <laughs> you're you're going to say this. It's going to get posted. And you're never going to get a job because people are now... You know, all of their social media posts are being um, yeah,
1: exactly. scrutinised
0: before they... Exactly.
1: They all go. it takes is a screenshot and then it's sent to everyone. And then it's... S-scary. It's scary. Yeah.
0: Um, That's quite bizarre that we got there from... I
1: know.
0: Um, uh, ...the Holocaust. But anyway... But it isn't in a way. It isn't in a way because... I mean,
1: the Holocaust is a very dark place, isn't it? And it just takes you to worse places. But if
0: those principles that we talk about for something as appalling as the Holocaust are true when it comes to silence, then surely that should be true for things that are, you know, you know, more more mundane. I think... Speaking up for the underdog, Yes. <clears throat> being willing to voice your concerns when you see things that are not fair or right, I don't think there's enough of it.
1: No, no. and this is something that I, I like when I was growing up being brought up Muslim. This was something that I liked when they said, if you see something you don't approve of or you don't like, change it with your hand. And if you can't change it with your hand, then change it with your tongue by speaking about it. And if you can't, then change it with your heart. So at le- you have to have a stance, basically. You yeah. can't just go through life thinking mm, this is fine, this is fine, and this is okay, and I don't care, because that then leads you into apathy, and which is yeah.
0: Although, which will lead
1: us all astray.
0: Just thinking about what we were talking before, there's a there's a quite a, a quite a thin line, isn't there, between um, interfering or speaking up or not being silent because you genuinely feel there's an injustice or a reason to versus looking for sound bites, looking to be seen to be cool because you've got the right opinions etc which there are so many of the you know the social influencer school of people who mm-hmm. um say all sorts of things and you think is this really true what you're saying no. don't think so i think you're just looking for more likes etc
1: this actually takes into a quote that i found by um george Eliot, um the poet and novelist yeah and like george Eliot. she said blessed is the man who having nothing to say abstains from giving wordy evidence of the fact i really like like that because I I find that amazing that quote is like if you have nothing to say then don't give us evidence that you have nothing to say I
0: love it um I'd like that on a (laughs) t-shirt wouldn't you
1: yeah I would love that
0: yeah could you (laughs) could you abstain from giving wordy evidence of the fact that you have nothing to say (laughs) that is so good
1: well but that, that kind
0: of overlaps also with uh I know that um it's kind of a a philosophy that you're you've, you've read about and so have I mm. there's a bit of stoicism about that as well isn't there?
1: Yes, exactly, that's very much a stoic um, point of view, it's like, um, let's not talk much, let's not um, make a fuss about things just, you know, that this hard tough um, way of approaching the world or seeing things so, uh, something else that I found from Epictetus, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong um, he once said Be silent, for the most part. If you speak, say only what is necessary, and in a few words. Talk, but rarely, if occasion calls you. But do not talk of ordinary things, of gladiators or horse races or athletes or of meals or drinks. These are topics that arise everywhere, but above all, do not talk about men in blame or compliment or comparison, if you can turn the conversation of your company by your talk to some fitting subject, but if you should chance to be isolated among strangers, be silent.
0: Whoa! I bet he's not much fun to be around. <laughs> epic Tatus, I think his name is a bit misleading. He's not, not so kind epic Kind of me. epic, more sort of you know, little bit dull Tatus. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I'm actually... I wouldn't say I am a Stoic mm. because I don't like to paint myself with any brush. Yes. But I do understand the Stoic philosophy. And I can see the value in it. However, what he's saying about silence here, I don't agree, really. It or says, at least I don't agree fully.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, again, talking about ordinary things like the mundane that we re- that I read about before. And it's, yes... And no, we should not talk about stupid things, but at the same time, small talk is nice. You know, when you want to to start a conversation with someone, strike up a friendship, it starts with small talk, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I'm going to say to you tomorrow when you come into the office and say, did you see such and such a thing? Yeah. I'm going to say, do not speak to me of gladiators (laughs) or horse races or athletes or of meats and drinks. Um, yeah, well, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. Okay, good. Anymore. No, I, I agree with you, because I think stoicism forgets that there is something called social interaction, which has a value associated with it. Um, it's a bit like us in Germany, mm-hmm. right? When you say, hi, how are you doing? Yeah. I don't really want to know. <laughs> I don't really want an answer. I'm just being nice. <laughs> and don't I just, tell me your life story. I just want you to say, yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing?
1: Um, although I don't but, like that to be honest with you I do not like that if I say hi how are you to someone I do expect them to tell me the truth and this is something I used to do when people would ask me how I am in the hallway I'll be like oh no, no I'm okay no, I'll be <laughs> like I'm okay and then I and then I made a, a vow to myself to never say I'm okay again to yeah. say I'm good because no matter how bad things are you are usually good aren't you you're so much better than many people so takes us to gratitude again to, yes. this, to this idea of like appreciating what you have i'm walking on two feet i am at work things are okay so yeah. i'm good
0: the stoicism kind of um, my, at least my reading of stoicism and, and the value i see it in it says basically you can't control the future your happiness your success your your journey through life it's all about how you encou- encounter things. Mm-hmm. How you encounter the things in front of you. Mm-hmm. So don't spend a lot of time um, stressing or worrying about those things that are not under your control. Absolutely. About a future state that you're probably never going to get to. Um, or about a past that has been. Focus on being what ready. Is. Being ready for what comes next that yeah. you can uh, make a good approach. Um, and I think that's great. And I, and I kind of agree with that. But I do think the human the human being needs to be able to think about the future. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the aspirational stuff that Stoicism seems to say, you, you, you know, shouldn't do that. Um, I'm not sure that it's completely harmful to, you know, aspiration... And not being silent about it either, um, acts as a motivating factor and can helps you to fulfil your potential. Whereas I feel like the Stoic is settling for
1: yes for know, the minimum.
0: It's just going to happen, so yeah. I'm just going to let it happen. Yeah. I may be I may be, you know, misrepresenting the philosophy. But
1: no, oh, you're right. Um, I did get myself for New Year's a book um, about Stoicism, and every day they had a, another piece of wisdom and I did use it to journal a little bit so I would read the bit and I would journal um and at some point I think by the time I hit February I was like I can't do this anymore I don't want to <laughs> do a this it's bit depressing <laughs> it's just it's very depressing and it's demotivating at the same time mm. it's like um don't think too much about the future don't think too much about the past just be and I, I understand the idea of being but like exactly like you said you need to have some hope for the future you have to have a vision you have yeah. to think you have to also oh, reflect like, on the past you know with i read a book uh, by
0: this a, a british magician illusionist but also stoic called Darren brown i've you heard know, of they, him yeah he wrote a book called happiness mm-hmm. there's all like the um a stoic's guide to happiness. Mm-hmm. But actually, my reading of the book was, happiness is just a, just the state of not being unhappy about things. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I find it uncomfortable to, to live a, a, a life that is kind of so negative. Mm-hmm. I must be happy because I'm not unhappy about anything.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, that, where, where's the joy in that? I know. And where's the excitement as, you know, the imagining what a future state might be like you meet somebody and you think you're falling in love a stoic would well it might happen (laughs) might not let's see what happens that's not for me the whole kind of yeah the the um you know what could happen what the endless possibilities out there i think they're part of the human condition and i I think that's
1: what keeps you young tony probably I think the good so.
0: thing about this podcast is nobody can see me so they 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 yes <laughs> I think that's that's probably that's probably true so, so I think we've probably done ourselves to death. Uh, for this, our first episode, Roma. Was pretty good. How was it for you?
1: I think I have really enjoyed this and I can't believe it's been almost an hour.
0: Uh, it's almost an hour, of, yeah. So
1: uh, yeah, I
0: I've, I've, I've find it really, really nice to talk about stuff that normally you don't get a chance to sit down and talk to somebody. Our lives are so rushed and so busy that to talk about a piece is really, um, yeah, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you. And maybe um, we do this again, and episode two, maybe we can keep going because I think we've got more to say.
1: About silence, absolutely. Okay, but
0: maybe you could um, finish off this episode, Rama, with some, uh, a parting gift okay. about silence.
1: So there's a... Um, I think everybody knows A.A. Milne, um, and they know him or we know him through what he... Winnie the Pooh. It's um, Minnie... mini mini the Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Minnie the Pooh. <laughs> it's a mini Pooh.
0: Um, yeah, just this is just short poems.
1: <laughs> anyway, so I thought I could read a poem called The Mirror by A.A. A. Milne. And you may know him from the many warm, sweet quotes you see everywhere, mostly said by Winnie the Pooh and his friends. This poem is more about stillness than silence. It goes like this. Between the woods, the afternoon... It's fallen in a golden swoon. The sun looks down from quiet skies to where a quiet water lies. And silent trees stoop down to the trees. And there I saw a white swan make another white swan in the lake. And breast to breast, both motionless, they waited for the wind's caress. And all the water was at ease. Wow. See you next week
0: we hope that you've enjoyed listening to the readings we chose for you today
1: and that our musings have ignited your thoughts
0: if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and those you think would enjoy it
1: If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or any kind of feedback, please send us an email using the email in the show notes.
0: We'd love to hear from you with the words that make you.